Yeah, it will be. In the Passion Translation. The first reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12, through to chapter 4, verse 2. So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. We're not like Moses, who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened. But even to this day, that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he's Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, it's because of God's mercy that we have been entrusted with the privilege of this new covenant ministry. And we will not quit or faint with weariness. We reject every shameful cover-up and refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the word of God. Instead, we open up our souls to you by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience in the sight and presence of God. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Luke chapter 9, reading from verse 28 of the Passion Translation. Eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and climbed a high mountain to pray. As he prayed, his face began to glow until a blinding glory streamed from him. A radiant glory illuminated his entire body. His brightness became so intense that it made his clothing blinding white as multiple flashes of lightning. All at once, two men appeared in glorious splendor, Moses and Elijah. They spoke with Jesus about his soon departure from this world and the things the Father destined him to accomplish in Jerusalem. 
Peter and his companions had become very drowsy. But they became fully awake when they saw the glory and splendor of Jesus standing there and the two men with him. As Moses and Elijah were about to return to heaven, Peter impetuously blurted, Master, this is amazing to see the three of you together. Why don't we stay here and set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? While Peter was still speaking, a radiant cloud of glory formed above them and overshadowed them. As the glory cloud enveloped them, they were struck with fear. Then the voice of God thundered from within the cloud. This is my son, my beloved one. Listen carefully to all he has to say. When the thunderous voice faded away and the cloud disappeared, Jesus was standing there alone. Peter, James and John were awestruck. But they didn't say a word to anyone about what they had seen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May I now speak in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that you hear him, the triune God, alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. I deliberately use the more familiar appellation of James rather than Jacob, but it is Jacob in, the, in, the rea- in reality. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm gobsmacked. We're just emerging from the world's shattering or life-shattering experience of a global pandemic which has turned lives upside down, some forever. And then, bam, Another seismic shock as Russia invades Ukraine. And of course the cozy assumption in the West that a major land war is no longer possible in Europe has been suddenly turned on its head. Suddenly we're having to learn that all the things we place our trust in, our notions that civilization cannot be rolled back, that human progress is inexorable, that democracy will triumph in all circumstances. All these are revealed at the moment to be notions without a solid foundation. All the certainties that life and thought in the West have been based on since the end of the Second World War are now turning out to be highly contingent. That none of us can predict what tomorrow will bring. Jesus himself spoke about this in a parable some of you will know. A wealthy landowner, he said, had a farm that produced bumper crops. Every year the harvest was so great, it filled his barns to overflowing. He thought, what should I do now that every barn is full and I have nowhere else to store more? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build one massive barn to hold all my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back, surrounded with comfort and ease. I'll enjoy life with no worries at all. But God said to him, what a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. 
This very night, the messengers of death will demand to take your life. Then who will get all the wealth you've stored up for yourself? The same thing will happen to all those who fill up their lives with everything but God. The same thing will happen to all those who fill up their lives with everything but God. But Jesus was also highlighting a conundrum that each of us knows, whether we are conscious of it or unconscious of it. Firstly, that the future is unpredictable. No one knows what tomorrow will bring. But there is one thing you can predict with certainty. That as a human being, you will die one day. It's spelt out in the Bible, in Psalm 90. The days of our life are 70 years, or perhaps 80 if we are strong. Even then, their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Yet the wonderful news today is that the same Bible holds out hope of something greater than life on this planet for 70 plus or minus 10, 20, 30 years, whatever lifespan you may enjoy. And we get a hint of that wonderful thing in our gospel reading, which is an account of the transfiguration. Usually, we focus our attention on the fact that the disciples saw Jesus transfigured, clothed with the glory of who he really was, the Son of God. They had experienced and seen the miracles that Jesus did. Now, they're given a glimpse of who he is. And indeed, they hear God the Father affirm who Jesus is. This is my Son, my beloved one. Listen carefully to all he has to say. Now, I don't want to diminish the revealed divinity of Jesus. It's of paramount importance. But sometimes we ignore something else in this passage that God is trying to teach us, namely that the dead live again. You see, we know Moses died He died at 120, just before the Israelites entered the promised land. But here he is, talking with Jesus and Elijah. Now, Elijah did not die. We know that he was carried up in a chariot to heaven. But apart from Elijah, I think there's only one other person in the Bible, Enoch, who was taken up to God's presence without dying. So Moses reveals standing to Jesus, standing talking with Jesus, is appointed to us. That though his physical body perished, Moses rose to eternal life with the Father in glory. And that, brethren, is the glorious future ahead of all those who believe and trust in Jesus. Like Moses... Yes, like that great prophet, you and I will rise to eternal life with the Father. And that's what Jesus himself promises. I am the resurrection and I am life eternal. 
Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asked. Do you believe this? Well, it means if you've trusted in Christ, you will die a physical death. This body will rot or be burnt. But you already have eternal life within you. How does this work, you see? That's what our epistle is about. Remember, it starts with what I think are electrifying words. So then, with this amazing hope living in us, So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Are you conscious of that amazing hope within you? What is this amazing hope that Paul is referring to in this letter? Indeed, the whole of this letter is suffused with it. Well, the amazing hope is the Holy Spirit. The fact that God comes to live within each one of those who place their trust in Jesus. It's a truth that Paul never tires of reminding those who read his letters. And earlier on in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he put it like this. Now it is God himself who has anointed us. And he's constantly strengthening both you and us In union with Christ. He knows we are his. Since he's also stamped his seal of love over our hearts. And has given us the Holy Spirit. Like an engagement ring is given to a bride. A down payment of the blessings to come. I think it was Keith who reminded us the other week that the books of the New Testament were not originally divided, as we think they are, into chapters. That we have to look at the context of the short passages we read week by week. Well, earlier in the same chapter from 2 Corinthians 3, Paul reminds his readers that the glory from the Spirit is even more glorious than reflected glory that made the face of Moses shine after he spent time with God. That what we get from the Spirit, the indwelling presence of God, is even more glorious than the reflected glory that made the face of Moses shine after time with God. And let me read you the verses preceding the verses that Anthony read for us. Even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory, though it produced death. The Israelites couldn't bear to see, to gaze on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. Yet... How much more radiant is this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? What once was glorious no longer holds any glory 
because of the increasingly greater glory that has replaced it. The fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation of glory. This permanent impartation of glory is from the Holy Spirit when we receive him as we invite Jesus into our lives. So then, Paul says, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out into freedom and boldness to speak the truth. What is the truth? He spells it out later on in that same reading. That the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, every veil, every covering which stops you from really knowing or seeing God is removed and you come to know and see the Lord. Now the Lord is the Holy Spirit and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw closer to him with a veil removed from our faces and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So you have it. The amazing hope and amazing reality, which is unique among every religion in the world, is the indwelling Spirit within every child of God. The indwelling spirit who gives us a foretaste of heaven, of life beyond this physical existence that, and the physical death that all these bodies will experience. We begin to know we're never alone if we've asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And as we experience and explore the fruits and gifts of the spirit, we enjoy in the here and now the joy peace and love that comes from the Spirit. I had the privilege to visit two of our saints in, in homes this week. Some of you will know Sylvia Morton, some know Brian. And both, in a sense, were lamenting being alone and being away from their own homes. But I could reassure them with this, that God, Jesus, is with them as he is with each one of us, as we turn to him. We enjoy in the here and now the joy, peace, and love that comes from the Spirit, as we walk by the Spirit, as we live in the Spirit. And it's this precious taste of life in the Spirit in this world that underlines the wonderful privilege we have as Christians, that live or die, we win. If we die, we enter into the fullness of the Lord's presence. And we get a taste of that in the transfiguration. Jesus shining the light, the joy, the peace, indescribable. But if we live, we live in the foretaste of what is to come. We're truly the happiest people on earth 
if we know and understand and embrace what turning to the Lord is all about. That whether tomorrow brings untimely death as facing, as brothers and sisters in Ukraine face, whether it brings another seismic shock like the pandemic we're emerging from in the form of a new, more deadly variant, we know this, whatever tomorrow brings, that our God is with us and for us and that we will live for eternity in his presence after the very brief interlude of our time on earth. You see, this time on earth is 70 plus a few years either side. Eternity stretches for gazillions of years, trillions of years into the future. Isn't that a call to live for the future we anticipate rather than to dwell in the very brief present we go through? But perhaps you've never invited Jesus into your life, never turned to him with an open heart. Whether you've done so before or whether you've never done so, why not join me today in inviting him afresh or for the very first time into your life? It's very simple words and you can read them aloud or silently in your heart after me. I'll read it through once and then read it again. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse me. Sanctify me. Make me pure and whole again. Help me from this day forward to follow you and serve you all the days of my life. Amen. Well, I'm going to read that again and feel free to join me. Maybe we should all just join in because it's good to reaffirm our calling and our invitation to him. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse me. Sanctify me. Make me pure and whole again. Help me from this day forward to follow you and serve you all the days of my life. Amen. So may his Holy Spirit fill you to overflowing and guide you and lead you into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen.